Cardiac section 2, 3 of 7, aortic stenosis. The normal valve orifice is 2.5 to 3.5 centimeters squared. Aortic stenosis is considered severe when the valve orifice is less than 0.8 centimeters squared. The most common cause of aortic stenosis is a bicuspid aortic valve and calcification of the valve leaflets. Other causes include rheumatic fever and infective endocarditis. Pathophysiology. Aortic stenosis is the result of an obstruction to blood flow across the aortic valve. Since the heart must generate more force to eject its stroke volume, it suffers from pressure overload and an elevation in wall tension. Remember that an increase in ventricular pressure will present as an increase in height of the pressure volume loop. Also note that the end systolic volume is higher as function of elevated afterload. Replacing the valve reduces afterload and, and the left ventricular AO gradient, left ventricular end diastolic volume is also decreased. In accordance with the law of Laplace, the left ventricle compensates with concentric hypertrophy. This produces a thickened left ventricular wall with decreased compliance in a narrow chamber. Over time, the adaptation reduces myocardial oxygen supply, subendocardial compression, and increase MVO2, increased heart rate, or increased heart mass. The patient will experience myocardial ischemia, left ventricular failure, and pulmonary edema. We find it sad that the triad of syncope, angina, and dyspnea on exertion is the classic presentation of severe aortic stenosis. Again, uh, triad of severe aortic stenosis, the mnemonic is sad, syncope, angina, and dyspnea. The 50% survival rate for each of these symptoms is 3, 5, and 2 years, respectively. Yep, so sad, syncope, angina, Dyspnea, so three five two is the survival is the survival rate. Okay, so sad three five two years respectively. Patients usually remain asymptomatic until left ventricular dysfunction develops. So one should always listen for the murmur of aortic stenosis, particularly in the elderly, and also before performing subarachnoid blockade. Anesthetic management, heart rate and rhythm, 70 to 80 beats per minute and normal sinus rhythm. A properly timed atrial contraction is absolutely required to prime the non-compliant ventricle. Loss of atrial kick like junctional rhythm and AFib will reduce ventricular filling and cause a decline in stroke volume. Tachycardia equals decreased time for ventricular filling equals decreased left ventricular and diastolic volume is equal to decreased stroke volume and card decreased cardiac output. Anesthetic uh, considerations for tachycardia is cardioversion if new onset and be sure to hit the sink or beta blockade. If heart rate is 70 to 80 beats per minute, drugs that increase heart rate further should be avoided. Bradycardia is equal to decrease in cardiac output is equal to decrease in left ventricular over distension with compens compression of the subendocardium, decrease myocardial oxygen supply. Anesthetic consideration. Obviously, if a patient is bradycardic, you'll have to increase the heart rate, use atropine, glycopyrrolate, ephedrine. Preload. Increase. Adequate left ventricular and diastolic pressure is required to, fi to fill... <coughs>
the non-compliant left ventricle. Left ventricle and diastolic pressure and pulmonary artery occlusive pressure overestimates the left ventricular and diastolic volume. Anesthetic consideration. Administer IVF to ensure adequate intravascular volume. Systemic vascular resistance maintain or increased. Um, stroke volume is fixed by stenotic aortic valve. Therefore, cardiac output is dependent on heart rate. Blood pressure is equal to SPR times cardiac output. Hypotension equals decreased aortic root pressure equals decreased coronary perfusion pressure equals myocardial ischemia. An aesthetic consideration, hypotension should be treated with alpha-1 agonists. This will increase SVR and coronary perfusion pressure without increasing heart rate. Chest compression during CPR won't generate sufficient intracardiac pressure to overcome the stenotic aortic valve. Stroke volume and cardiac output will be inadequate. Remember that afterload is set at the valve, so valve replacement greatly improves afterload since the impedance to the left ventricular ejection is reduced, the heart ejects more of its volume, stroke volume increases, said another way, left ventricular and diastolic volume, uh, left ventricular and systolic volume will decrease. Mm -hmm. Contractility maintained. Usually not an issue until late in the disease. Anesthetic consideration, inotropes if left ventricular dysfunction occurs. Pulmonary vascular resistance, normal. Usually not an issue until late in the disease. Diastolic failure equals increase in left atrial pressure, causing pulmonary congestion and dyspnea. Regional anesthesia. Spinal anesthesia is avoided with severe aortic stenosis, the valve area of less than 0.8 cm squared. Sympatectomy rapidly reduces SVR, leading to profound hypotension, reduced coronary perfusion pressure, and cardiovascular collapse. Epidural anesthesia with a slow onset local anesthetic creates a more gradual sympatectomy. This decision should be made on an individual basis and is reasonable as long as the patient doesn't have severe aortic stenosis. A lower block height is less likely to create hemodynamic instability. Arterial waveform. Um, know the normal waveform and the aortic stenotic waveform. When contrasted with a normal waveform, the arterial tracing of aortic stenosis exhibits a slower systolic upstroke, pulses tardis with a delayed peak. Stroke volume is typically reduced with aortic stenosis. This creates a narrow pulse pressure with a waveform of small amplitude, so that is pulsus parvus. The dichrotic notch may not be present and the overall impression may be of a dampened waveform.